Welcome to the Audit 15 Fund podcast. My goal with this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table every 15 days. Today, we're going to be talking about retail fraud. My name is John Tabor, your host. And to talk about that topic today, I'm privileged to have Tony Sales as my guest. Tony is a reform fraudster. He was featured in a Vice documentary and is considered one of Britain's most successful career criminals. He's also the author of The Big Con, How I Stole 30 Million Pounds and Got Away With It. After serving a prison sentence, Tony decided to turn his life around and is now a director at We Fight Fraud, helping companies keep themselves and consumers safe from scams. I'm privileged to have you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Tony. Uh, that's all right, John. Thanks for having me, mate. It's good to be here. All right. So we'll we'll go straight to the questions here. So, you know, I'm in the process of your, of reading your book and about your, your life. You know, if you could kind of condense it, <laughs> I know it's kind of hard because there's so many stories, but if you kind of, if you could, you know, condense your, your journey, like, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, where, uh, where it all began and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, for the people that don't know me out there, I kind of was at two days old. My mum gave me up to my grandmother because uh, she was 17 years old. And basically, you know, I was a kid that came along and was she's a kid herself. So a year into um, my life, both my mum and dad have gone off and living their separate lives, leaving me with my grandmother. And that creates a whole load of self-esteem issues that would later play out. Um, when I became a criminal, you know, at seven years old, my uncle lowered me into uh, a pub for me to go and open the door while they then came in the pub and robbed it. Uh, my reward for that was a bottle of pop and a packet of cigarettes at seven years old. So I was kind of have a, had an introduction into crime very early. And before you know it, I was doing sponsorship forms, um, going door to door one week it would be a sponsored swim a sponsored jump a sponsored whatever it was to kind of steal that person's money you know and i found out very quickly that it wasn't upscalable um and by the time i was you know by the time i was 18 i'd been embroiled in uh credit card fraud for a couple of years i was learning like how interest-free credit worked in stores you know so the buy now pay later stuff um I was kind of, you know, understanding how identities worked. I've been understanding data since the age of 13 from getting those sponsorship forms and understanding what you could do with that data. Um, and once you understand how the financial system works, John, and you understand how it, it, it's all kind of the same. So retailers are looking to sell goods the same way that a bank is looking to sell mortgages, right? So as long as you've got the right set of details, the the, the, the world's your oyster as a fraudster. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up, you know, uh, how, how it all started with your, with your family too. One of the things that you mentioned in the book is how, you know, kids who go through trauma are more likely to have an addiction later on. And you even mentioned in the book that your addiction was crime, right? Um, yeah. And it, and it's interesting that you mentioned the buy now, uh, pay later. Even in the book, you have buy now, pay never, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
so talking about like focusing on retail fraud, um, you know, and thinking about the schemes that you were part of and, you know, what what's going on right now, what would you say would be the three most common schemes that you were a part of and what are some of the, you know, common schemes right now? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, all scams are old scams with a new spin. Firstly, there are no new scams. Yeah. So what we see taking place in the digital world today is only what used to happen in the physical world. Right. So if you're a retailer, you want to sell online because that's how you upscale and sell to the masses everywhere. Um, But, you, you know, the same processes are played out. So you may have Someone in the UK, we have a company called Creation that offer a lot of online finance. Well, they also offer in-store finance. Back in my day when I was a fraudster, John, uh, one of the biggest companies that we used to attack was a company called GE Capital. So that's General Electric um, in their financial form. I understood all of their processes. I didn't actually attack the retailer. I attacked the financial institution that propped up the retailer in the background. Um, and of course... That was a, you know, you see this happen online because if if I needed to get a TV, so you, you know, they started to get smart back in the day, right? So you'd go in to get a plasma screen TV and they'd say, oh, only if you've got a delivery address. Well, we'd put the address down of the place that we was doing and just wait outside for the van to turn up and give him a tenner, like, and say, thanks very much, mate. We'll just take it from here. And, you know, we've done that on multiple occasions. And now you can see that take place on, you know, uh, card holder not present fraud everywhere that takes place, right? So everyone knows that the final point uh, of destination of the goods is where it ended up. There's, uh, as well as there are money mules out there to uh, wash the money that goes through the many millions of uh, corrupt bank accounts out there, there are address mules that will allow criminals like my former self to use their address to send goods to and it all just plays onto these white and black lists, you know, so you get bad email addresses, bad addresses that you deliver to. And these are these are things that retailers end up buying from the tech solution companies and software solution companies that are out there. They're just build up of information. You know, most criminals would know what places to send it to or what places not to send it to in about five minutes. Yeah. So you 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 went where the money was. You mentioned you you, you weren't like really targeting the retailer. It was more like you know, on the, on the financial side, GE Capital is an example there. So I knew, I knew exactly what they wanted. Right. So the fact that I knew what their remit for uh, data was, they were looking for, uh, you know, someone in their thirties to forties that, you know, they liked older people as well. So if you was 50, 60, 70, they love that remit. Yeah. So the, they're always going to get higher amounts of money to spend. You could kind of, target a department store here uh, with one set of credentials and go and target an electrical store with a different set of credentials. And they would get, you know, because they look real on the system, they would get approved. And that's, that's what you see today is people doing this stuff. I mean, the difference is now is, is that credit and debit card information in my day, you know, to buy them in bulk, you had to have someone that worked in a center, right. To, who would be able to, out the back door, sell me thousands of those things that have never been used before, that I've got a trusted source and I can now go online and buy that stuff. Whereas now you've got, you know, back then we'd ring up people and do it over the phone as well. But now you've got websites getting hacked everywhere. Companies not being honest about the data that's been stolen from them. You've got hackers 
taking uh, absolute liberties. I'm going to take my camera off here for one sec because I think it's important, yeah? Because like, the way I'm sitting now is quite funny, yeah? So look, here's <laughs> how I'm sitting now, yeah? This is what everyone sees as a hacker. Someone with a hood on that no one even knows who is who is. I mean, it's, a, it's laughable. We're all chasing ghosts. We don't even know who we're chasing, right? It's crazy. So, um, you know, that, that is kind of what we're because there's so much data available to the criminals out there and not just on the dark web, you know, on the surface web too. It always comes back to us as a human and what information we're giving away as humans each and every day. We've got to start to understand our own data is. You know, I always have, I always say to people that in the day, we're consumers, right? Uh, so in the day, rather, we're corporates, yeah? But at mm-hmm. evening, we turn into consumers. At lunchtime, we turn into consumers. At morning break, we might turn into a consumer, yeah? So to get a good consumer corporate balance, is really important in today's work life um, because you need to understand the times that we're living in. This is 2021 coming into 2022, right? Um, where within the next five years, we're going to start seeing the internet of things coming at us at a rate of knots that we've never seen with fridges being able to complete our delivery and grocery orders and all of that stuff. And this is coming. This is real. Yeah. Cities are actually planning national infrastructure to be able to cope with the amount of bandwidth needed to supply right. the amount of demand that we're going to have for the IOT. And that's just here in the UK. So we all want faster, longer, stronger broadband everywhere. We all craving it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, supply and demand and, and that's what's happening. And that is a great space for any criminal gang that want to target him because when stuff's new, fresh, no one doesn't know the procedures, People don't understand what they're meant to be doing. So if something's new and fresh, it's really easy for criminals to manipulate what they're saying in order to gain uh, either financially or more data, which then turns into financial uh, later. Yeah, a couple of points there that you touched. So I know in the book you mentioned that you had someone who would uh, get credit card information at a restaurant for you, and then the person would just you you just be able to uh, clone that that information. Uh, so you know, like you mentioned, criminals criminals don't need to do that right now. They can go. Uh, so that that that's news to me that it's even on the surface web you're able to get information that you need for uh to commit those type of crimes i thought that maybe just the dark web would have you know more of that for a few years john we've actually been we fight fools actually been beating the drum of you know how do criminals talk to the masses there's a lot of the younger generations out there that are all looking to make a fast buck we've all globally just lived through covid right um the amount of trauma that covid and poverty that covid would have created globally creates a massive demand on fraud going forward because the morals go out the window you know we're already in a place where fraudsters kind of don't have no morals about their victims they don't they all believe that the banks are giving them the money back and so the ultimate person is the loss of the bank which even in that form is stupid because we all have to have bank accounts and we all end up paying more for that so we all actually suffer the losses of fraud i mean uh, anyone would be absolutely foolish to believe that the banks would lose their profits to fraudsters they just obviously pass that on to their 
customers. It's just an obvious thing like anyone would do, like any retailer anywhere, the losses are already factored in. And this goes some this goes back to something that's been my bugbearer for, for quite a while, and that's acceptable loss, John. Mm-hmm. You know, like no loss to me is acceptable. And as much as companies say, well, it's just not realistic, if I said to any CEO of any company, would you find it acceptable if I came in your house and just took 2% of your goods? How would you feel about that? <laughs> they're all going right. to say no to that. So, you know, this is what they're willing to trade when trading people's information. And it's just not, uh, you can't do it anymore. The ICO in this country are certainly all over that. Um, GDPR was a massive push here in the UK. Um, understanding data, understanding what you can and can't do with people's information is uh, starting to become bigger and bigger. And that, all plays into what we're saying about credit card stuff, about the card holder not present, the, the, the information, wherever it may be, um, it always comes back down to the individual, John. So you and I are giving our information away. You know, a bank can't be responsible for you giving your information to a retailer. Um, a retailer can't be responsible for um, something being delivered to an address that's not in your name. Yeah, because... It's just, in, you know, the and these are all problems that every single company has that they try and fight and sort out every day because brand takes over. And as we know, marketing normally wins that argument against loss prevention to just keep the the tills turning. Uh, it's, a, it's a crazy conundrum that we're continuously in. Yes, that's such a good analogy that you had there. You know, if you go to a CEO and ask, would you be okay if I go into your house and still 2% of what you have there? You know, uh, as an auditor, we often hear, you know, is that material or is, you know, that there's the argument of materiality. So, but yeah, to your point, you know, if I go into your house and still 2% of what you have there, would you be okay with that? So uh, very, very good analogy there. And you mentioned uh, COVID definitely created a lot of pressure uh, for fraudsters or, for, you know, for people who, you know, just, it just created more demand or um, in that area so what would you say as far as like for for those who were already fraudsters uh what changed to them during covid so they already so instead of trying to have to make fear and panic it's existing naturally so the yield yeah so if you think of the best way to think of fraud is is you know is a data accumulation so if i'm a fraudster Loads more people are buying stuff online. Fraud controls are dropped because there's so many more people. Yeah, even we saw with WavePay here, you know, the the five taps that they normally then make you put your pin in, they drop that out on loads of cards because so many people need to use their cards, right? So the whole system understands that there's going to be a big pressure put on it, so it has to drop things out. And that the fraudster understands and exploits continually. Yeah, and then, of course, with the panic and fear in the background spark loads of other types of frauds yeah so you have here fake nhs sites fakes uh to get your card information fake sites that are just harvesting your data so as we're at home we're all looking for stuff there's loads of stuff out they're all promising cheap goods cheap this cheap that fake goods there's so much stuff out there that we're giving our information away and that that's a big problem because you know, there's a really good Facebook post that I've seen and probably lots of people have seen it now. And it just kind of, it shows all the different, you like to post, you've got this person as your friend, you're showing that your date of birth's there, you're happily married on. 
you know, if you're giving that information on Facebook away, yeah, we've a simple, so we have a simple bit of software that allows us to just put your name and email address in, and we can find every other site you ever logged into anywhere. It takes seconds. It's not someone sitting there tapping wow. away in their hoodie for days trying to find you. It takes seconds and they've got you, and that's why a hack happens, you know? And this is this is really understandable information for all of us to understand that gets totally convoluted and made complex by idiots that don't really understand what they're saying. They're just trying to sell goods. Yeah. I'm not trying to sell anyone anything. Yeah. I just want to make the world a safer place. I made a lot of mistakes and now it's time to pay back for some of them mistakes. Yeah. So like, this is what we do. I have to get paid because uh, you know, I have children to feed and, and, and a, a, and a family to look after. That's just part of life. But the reality is I spend a lot of my time um, correcting stuff that other companies put out there that's not correct. You know, a lot of the fraud controls that are put in place are often put in place by people that understand the fraud controls, but they don't understand the fraud. So they go to someone in the business who's meant to understand the fraud. Yeah. But the reality is most fraud guys don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Right. So true. Heard that. Yeah. So like, then we've got another problem. So now you've got people that don't understand what the attacks are or what the attack vectors that they face trying to prevent an attack that they don't even know who's doing it. You know, like it just seems we all rush to make decisions and we, we rush into these decisions continually, you know, like cars in the beginning were made without roofs and windows. We soon learned that people would steal them cars. You know, these <laughs> things are, they're, they're there in history and we just keep repeating ourselves with the same thing over and over again. Right. So I guess like to, you know, a couple points there from a consumer standpoint, you mentioned, you know, we share so much information and hackers have that information available to them, you know, within seconds, what can consumers do to protect themselves? Because it, it's, you know, it's, it's easier to say, oh, don't share your information online, but it's already there, you know. <laughs> so what, what do you do at that point as a consumer? So you've got to understand the types of things that that are out there that affect you, right? So what is it you, like, does Facebook have to know your real date of birth? You know, are you happy to show your real date of birth on Facebook? You know, are you happy to show publicly your pictures on Facebook? Are you happy to do that? People will steal your pictures and put them on dating sites, you know? Right. You don't have to be a supermodel for that to happen because most of us are not supermodels. Yeah. We're both, we're, we're all kind of normally, most people are average looking. Yeah. So we are, most of us are a, a society of average looking people. And those pictures become valuable commodities to people who steal them and try and fish other people to get more data, to get more lures. You might not be the fish, but you might be the, the bait for the fish. Right. So uh, it's about understanding what, attacks we face every day so most good processes in companies now are doing phishing testing you know they test their staff regularly they they make sure that they're up to date with the latest phishing attacks that they that their staff understand what the latest phishing attacks are you know these are things that's really simple to train in a in a, a when you know how to do it and show them in an impactful way you can actually change the behavioral 
pattern of that company yeah and that's where you start to get to a really good place now there's lots of good companies out there offering these types of services us included like i said everyone should always do their research on whoever yeah i'm not just here to pick up my own company but there's some really good people out there doing some really good things right so you you have to look and understand the market that that you're you want to be in so let's let's say take for instance you want to buy a tv right you know are you buying for a rep from a reputable buyer the information that you're going to put in can that information financially impact on your life yeah um these are things that you have to check check the ratings check the sites make sure that they're real reviews yeah look everyone can be duped trust pilot included yeah there's no one that can't be duped yeah so they right. can all be duped but scroll down go down look down don't like don't just look at the one stars the hating people yeah the, what are the ones <laughs> that they put in there to give you oh look someone said it won't no good yeah like you've got to, you've got to do your be, be real in what you're doing and just understand that when you're buying something from something you can't see don't be so trusting in it yeah uh, if you're going to a trusted source a trusted retailer and you know that you're on their site you know that it's them you've you've previously had experiences with them you're logged into their account and now you know these guys spend millions every year to keep their site as secure as they can and all, all every single site is ever doing is looking to secure it as much as they can to push the attackers onto their vulnerable uh, um, compares. Yeah, that's so. If the, the bigger guys, they do tend to spend a lot of money on it. You know, in that kind of stuff, Facebook does tend to keep your information safe because they're able to spend a lot of money on doing that stuff. The same as LinkedIn, but it's up to you what you put out there about yourself. And me as an ex fraud star, I, I only know what people tell me. Yeah, right. so. If you tell me something and I believe that to be true, I can use that against you if, if it's true. But if it's not true, I can't use it against you. So, you know, my birthday is <laughs> always set to April 1st. It's no one's business when my birthday is. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a different way of saying, you know, maybe don't use your real date of birth. <laughs> uh, so what you, and you touched on, on a, a few different things there as far as like what companies can do, you know, to protect themselves. Um, do you and I'm not sure what your experience is outside of uh, Europe, uh, but what do you see any main differences between what companies can do to protect themselves like in different markets? You know, let's say Europe, US, Asia. Are there any like different things that or is it? Um, scams pop up in all different countries, you know, like you can see like, so if you take what happened to Target with a PDQ system, yeah, like, right. like you can see that that's a, a very clever, smart attack that takes place to exactly do that purpose. Yeah. If you take, I don't know, Singapore, you can go back to looking at um, invoicing fraud. Yeah. You can you can see it kind of start from the CEOs talking to each other, the finance, can you send us a bit of money? Because that there's so many different types of fraud taking place in different countries, you know, and each country's remit for fraud is different. They're all old stuff, but it's all stuff that's clever. Yeah, like if you think about a lot of the stuff that's cyber related to, or the cyber enabled today, or the smart internal CEO impersonation frauds that are around today, you know, you've got to be a really smart, slick criminal with an understanding of in the internal processes to be able to do those scams. And those are from a different kind of criminal. And that's the problem that we're seeing, right? So 
you have a whole load of blue collar crime taking place within the cyber world, mixing with organized crime. Okay. And that's a morph that none of us saw coming um, that is really starting to play out. So you have people selling login details on the dark web, for instance, yeah, and people offering services to do SIM swap to get those SIMs swapped over for those login details for the bank accounts. You have Amazon accounts for sale online. You have Netflix accounts for sale online. You have all of this stuff, you know, there for you. I can log you out of your Netflix and send you an email to say log back in. You need to renew all your information. You know, the, it doesn't take long before my fraud brain starts to wrap around the cyber brain that's there. And now right. you start to see all this other stuff. And that's how you see a lot of this stuff take place. And that that's why it's morphing. That's why we get multiple different types of scams propping up from all over the globe. Uh, I'm abreast of most of it, to be honest. Um, like in the States, they've had loads of cryptocurrency, fake investment scams going on. Um, here in the UK, pension scams have been massive along with furlough. And I'm sure that furlough globally um here in the UK, we had a furlough scheme where the, the government kind of paid 80% of a company's wage bill for quite a while. Uh, we know here in the UK that there was loads and loads of fake companies or companies that were struggling that submitted fake accounts to get the maximum loan allowed to them and the maximum furlough allowed to them. So, you know, you see these things pop up and that's a strain for all of us, John, because we all end up paying in the end for that stuff, every single one of us. Right. And uh, yeah, you you mentioned something to the organized the organized crime that's behind it. Right. You know, here in the US, we have uh, the, the term organized retail crime may be the same there in the, in the UK. Uh, like how, you know, if you could guesstimate what's uh, of all the crime that's committed against retailers, how much is that is from organized crime versus just, you know, people who are doing them by themselves? Yeah, I mean, like, it depends on what you, you know, like, if you look at even just shoplifting, right? Shoplifting funds, funds drugs, right? We all know that. Yeah, like, it's the, it's the quickest, easiest way for a heroin addict or, or a crack cocaine addict to get funds to feed the habit. There's not many shoplifters that are feeding their habits or their, uh, that are not feeding their habits, rather, and living a lifestyle of, you know, a, a criminal or, or, or that. So that for me is kind of the unseen part of what organized crime is because organized crime feeds the drugs that then in turn feed that massive problem that takes place across every retailer on the planet. Um, and that, that for me is always one that you don't see. I think it's massive, probably a lot more than what people would ever realize um, right up to phone networks to internal trading you know on some retailers that are shared on stock markets globally will definitely have a bit of inside trading so it goes across the board of how much crime affects it so much so i don't think you would ever actually be able to put numbers on it or figures around it because it's taking place in so many different ways shapes and forms you know warranty fraud is massive you know insurance fraud that then takes place against the you know the items that are replaced you know, I know of stories of someone in insurance uh, claiming for a dead cat a hundred times um, with the same picture. So, you know, there's so many different types that, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it'd be crazy to say. Yeah, I, I think like the main point is definitely, or you know, organized crime. They're a lot more advanced than people would think. I I think so. Uh, and to that I point, the other day, I, you know, I actually said, I said to uh, an audience the other day that um, the funny thing is that most people in loss prevention don't respect the criminals, which is quite a funny position to be in when you think about it. Yeah, because if you're the criminal, you never lose. You only ever win. One percent of criminals get caught. So if that if you put that into soccer terms, right, and we was playing soccer, yeah, that would mean that the, and the fraudster was, let's say, Manchester United, yeah, and the the, the loss prevention guys were Real Madrid, yeah. The fraudsters would be forevermore be in the lead, and that would be not seen as a good position to be in. And the Real Madrid guys would certainly be respecting the Man United players in a way like we don't see in this. And that's because the fraudsters are always one step ahead. Most people that work in loss have never committed a fraud. They've only committed how to defend a fraud. Like, you know, this, it just doesn't... It just doesn't make sense in, in lots of ways. And, and it, it's not about being, it's about having an understanding and learning from the enemy. Because if right. you're not learning from that enemy that you face every single day, then they're just going to walk over you every single day. And that's not a good position for anyone to be in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for those who want to, you know, maybe get more expertise in the area, maybe need some help in that area. How can people contact you uh, to provide that expertise? So anyone that would like to contact us, please go to wefightfraud.org um, and you can find us there. Uh, we're on social media, LinkedIn. You can follow us wherever you want. Uh, you're more than welcome to. We kind of put some crazy stuff out there sometimes because uh, we like to make impact and let people see how the criminal's perspective looks. Uh, so, yeah, that's the easiest way to find us. All right. Thank you so much, Tony. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today.